How about that, Mr. Todd? Works better when I turn it on. I got you, brother. All right, we are finishing a Thanksgiving series today. Um, what a fun morning. I had a, I had a fun uh, countdown video for you with a bunch of information and good songs playing on it. Had a funny video to lead into this sermon that I thought was hilarious, which I'm very corny when it comes to humor, so you probably wouldn't have laughed, but I would have been laughing, I can promise you. Um, it, was, it, was, it was great. Uh, but all that aside, none of that's necessary to worship God. None of that's necessary to hear from God. It's fun, and it makes things efficient, and it makes things enjoyable, and, and all of those things. But you know what we need this morning? Just the Word of God. That's it. Brett and I and a couple others were at a, at a conference a couple of years ago, and a guy was telling a story. He was telling a sermon on how important God's Word is. Uh, but he was telling a story about he was at a youth event and a guy got up there and talked and for like 25 minutes he hadn't even started into scripture yet and he, he said I just want to let you guys know that you know I was working on a sermon working on what to say and I just didn't have a word from the Lord so I just wanted to come out to here and talk to you today and the guy that was telling us about hearing this story said are you serious you can't get a word from God if you don't have anything just open it up there's 66 choices just choose one and start reading so if all else fails we'll open up the word of God and we'll just read uh, and, we'll, and we'll have some church, and we'll worship God, and we'll hear His Word, because thankfully, that's all it takes, uh, is, a, is a heart that's ready to listen to the Word of God and God's Word. That's it. That's all it takes. Um, but we are thankful for all the other things and the, and the extra blessings, but that's really all we're here for this morning. We've looked at a couple of things uh, the last couple of weeks. We looked at the expectations of faith uh, when it comes to thanksgiving, that we want to give thanks, but we don't want to expect Thanks. We want to give thanks as often and as much as possible to each other and to God, but we don't want to expect gratitude from other people because you're shutting yourself up for a large disappointment when you do that, uh, and, you're, and you're placing the power of gratitude and the power of your heart in someone else's actions. Um, so, Force, you're having a time over there, bro. Keep working. You'll get it. They're, they're, those four candlelights are side by side. Four switches. One, two, three, four. You'll get there in a minute, though. Just keep flipping them off and on. It'll be fun. Essential, <laughs> essential to, <laughs> our second thing we talked about last week was, was that faith or that Thanksgiving is essential to faith. Uh, that th- Thanksgiving is essential to faith in light of what God has done for us. And, oh, in light of what God has done for us, we must, we must give thanks to Him. That was what we talked about last week. In light of what He has done for us, we must give thanks to Him. It is it is an essential. If your heart has been changed by Jesus Christ, then you must be thankful to God for what He has done. And then today we're looking at the effects uh, on faith, how Thanksgiving affects our faith and therefore affects our lives. That's what we're looking at today. We'll be in those two spots if you want to get your fingers ready there. So what is the effect, the impact that Thanksgiving has on our faith and therefore our life? That's what we're digging in today. So I read a story about an atheist professor read a story about an atheist professor that was uh, going to go on a walk in the woods. And uh, he was just walking around, just a- admiring the, the accident of evolution. And uh, was looking at the trees and how pretty they were and the flowers and the, and the animals and just, just admiring it all and, and taking it all in. And then he heard a, a rustling, the kind of rustling that if you're in the woods, you know that it's not a good rustling, something that scared him. He turned and looked, and it was a big seven-foot grizzly bear. And he knew he was in trouble. The bear starts coming at him. And the bear's getting over the top of him and just about to swipe. 
And he says, oh God, help me. The atheist professor says, oh God, help me. And everything freezes. The bear stops. The pulse is frozen. The wind stops blowing. The river stopped flowing. Everything stopped. And a bright light started shining. And then the, and then the light spoke. And the voice came from the light and it said, Do you really think it's fair for me to help you now after all these years of you denying me, all these years of you saying that I didn't exist, all these years of you teaching students to believe that in your classroom? Do you really think that I should help you now that you've called on me? And the atheist professor thought, Well, you're, you're right. That wouldn't be fair. He said, he said, just do this for me, God. Just, just instead, of, instead of taking the bear away, just change him into a Christian, and that'll change the outcome for me because he probably won't do anything then. He said, okay, your wish is granted. And the river started flowing again. The wind started blowing again. Everything started going back, and the bear changed into a Christian. And the atheist professor thought he was Okay. And the bear, still being a bear, but now a Christian, sits back and goes, crosses his hands and says, Oh, Lord, thank you for this meal in which I'm about to receive. <laughs> now, if, you, if you're out there listening this morning and you're just kind of dabbling into church and you are an atheist, we are so glad that you're here. That is just a light-hearted joke. Uh, uh, so we're glad that you're here and checking it out, and we hope that you hear a word from the Lord, but um, it's, you know, the, the, the old saying that soldiers say is that they've never met an atheist in a foxhole. I, I think it kind of, it, it holds true, you know. Everybody has their beliefs until it comes down to crunch time, until the grizzly bear standing over you, and then we all cry out for help from God. So we're looking at uh, Psalm 100 this morning first. Psalm 100 is the, is the end of a group of psalms that are called, grouped together, is called the royal psalms, is what most people call them. Um, it's talking about God as king, uh, and it's the last one in that group, five or six psalms together there. Uh, and it's called, you probably have the title there, the Be Thankful, it probably says, and it probably says a psalm of thanksgiving. It probably says that above your, uh, your verses there in Psalm 100. Now, I'm, I'm no genius by any stretch of the imagination, but... That seemed like a pretty good place for us to start this morning. Since we're talking about Thanksgiving, we go to the psalm of Thanksgiving and see what the Lord has to say uh, there in Psalm 100. So let's read that together. It's just five quick verses. It says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His. His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting upset. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is God and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Okay? So, what are we hearing in those five verses? Let's go through that nice and easy. Yay. Verse 1, what does he say there? It says, all people do what? Shout. Shout to the Lord. Now, that's, that's not like, I'm not sure what you think of when you think of that. Like, shout to the Lord, 
come before the Lord with joyful shout, um, exuberant shouting. It's translated several different ways in English. Uh, but what that's like is it's, it's, like, it's like fanfare, okay? It's like, it's like the athlete or the celebrity you, you, look, you look up to or like comes by and you would shout out their name. You would say something to them. You would shout something of joy to that person if they were to come by. You would get their attention. You'd be like, holy cow. For me, it'd be like, holy cow, it's Michael Jordan. Michael, hey! You know, I'd be running down the street trying to catch Michael Jordan if, that, if he were to show up. Something like that. That's the kind of shout he's talking about. That's what's in mind when it talks about <clears throat> shouting to the Lord there. It reminds me of a terrible but hilarious story of, of one of the first times I went to a Rangers game. It was me and my family. I'm a huge Texas Rangers fan, which means I have suffered a lot in my life. But I'm a huge Texas Rangers fan, and a lot of it is like any other thing that you're, that you're passionate about. It's, t- it's tied to great childhood memories. That's why I'm a Texas Rangers fan. We went to games, and, and I loved it, and I've been a fan ever since. I wish we would have chosen someone else. Um, <clears throat> but we didn't, so that's, it is what it is. But we went to this game, and uh, we were out in right on the, the third base foul line bleachers, like right there in the right field. This is in the old, old Ranger Stadium. And we're standing there, and they're warming up. And it was supposed to be Roger Clemens versus Nolan Ryan. And I was fired up. They both did warm up, but they both did not pitch. Uh, the rotation changed, and it ended up not being those two. But I did see them both in person. You could see Nolan Ryan warming up across the thing, and you could see the ball zip by like a, like a bolt of lightning. And then three seconds later, you hear pow. It was awesome. It was so cool. It was the awesomest thing I've ever seen. Pow. There was that much delay in it. Well, Roger Clemens is right below us, and there's this kid that is absolutely losing his mind for minutes and minutes and minutes, and the only thing he says the entire time is Roger. Roger! Roger! I'm not exaggerating. This little kid is screaming Roger Clemens, Roger's name, just Roger. Roger! Roger! Forever. Of course, they're used to this. Like, it's in one ear and out the other. It's everywhere they go, it's like that, right? Finally, after minutes of this, if I would have been a little bigger, I probably would have made him be quiet. But after minutes of this, Roger Clemens finally turns, looks up there at us, has a ball in his hand, and goes, whoop, and flips it up there to him. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. My best friend's dad was standing beside this kid, and he went, and grabbed that ball. And that little kid, who was probably nine, looked up at him like. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my dad was standing beside him, and my dad said, Man, I don't know you. Like, I don't. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And anyway, he ended up shaming him enough that he went and found the kid and gave him the ball back. Um, but that's what this is talking about when it talks about shout. That's the kind of shout it's talking about. Like, we should, Lord God. That's how excited we ought to be when we come into his presence. We ought to be screaming. And, and thankfully, somebody won't grab the ball in front of us if the Lord were to toss us a ball. That's what he's talking about here. That kind of excitement, that kind of passion in searching out and coming into the presence and to the, into contact with God. Verse 2 says, serve. Serve, serve with gladness and joyful song. You, you can't worship and not serve. And you can't serve and not worship. If you're doing it right with gladness and joyful song, you can't worship and not serve, and you can't serve and not worship. That's why we call this a church service, because service is worship. You can't do it. They go hand in hand. 
Gladness and joyful song. We must serve to worship. Worship is work. And work is worship. Work is service. It's all the same thing. So uh, this Davidic psalm here is, is reminding us of that. Serve the Lord with gladness and joyful song. And then he says there in verse 3, acknowledge. Yours may say no. Okay, it may say no. But a better rendering in the English is to acknowledge. Because no is just like a fact. You just know a fact. You just know it. But it's, it's, more, it's more acknowledge. It's, it's, it's a knowing by experience and a sharing. Okay, so acknowledge Know through your experience the Lord God. And I, and I love the, the original names used there. Uh, acknowledge, it says in English, that God is Lord or, or acknowledge the Lord God. But it's really Yahweh Elohim, right? Yahweh Elohim, which we've talked about before the names of what that is. Yahweh is the, is the everlasting name of God. The always is, always was, always will be. The covenant relationship God. That's Yahweh. And then Elohim is, is, is Lord, usually translated Lord in the English. And that, that's the name of like the creator God, the powerful God, the God that created the heavens and the earths all together. Everything that we see, everything that we enjoy, including each other. That is what it's saying here. So acknowledge, know through experience and share the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. Acknowledge, know and share that the all-powerful, everlasting creator God wants to know you and wants you to know him. That's something to be thankful for. That's something to come into his presence shouting songs of joy for. That's definitely something for us to be excited about. Now, continues in verse 4. It says, Thanksgiving and praise come into his, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There we go. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We have a song that says that. I, every time I read that verse, I sing that song. And my, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. Y'all know that one? I like that song. Uh, it's what it makes me think of every time. What is this? His gates and his courts. What's this a reference to? It's a reference to the temple, obviously. The temple in Jerusalem. So when you enter the temple, come in with thanksgiving and a joyful heart. In other words, when you come into God's presence, because the temple was where God was. That was his presence. The temple of God was where his spirit dwelt during this time of this psalm being, being written. So when you come into God's presence, come into it with thanksgiving in your heart. But here's the key, right? Guess what? <laughs> or be reminded if you already knew this. Jesus did what? When he finished the work on the cross, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies, the literal physical dwelling place of the Spirit of God. When Jesus finished his work on the cross, what happened to that veil that separated human from being able to go into the presence of God? What happened? Ripped from the top to the bottom. What was it saying? It was saying that now the presence of God is present in every single human being that places their faith in Jesus. There is no physical separation, and there is no physical place other than the living human beings that have their faith in Jesus, that's where the presence of God dwells. What does that mean when you put that in the context of this? It means the presence of God is always with us. Therefore, we should always have thanksgiving in our heart. We don't have to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We should always have thanksgiving on our mind and on our lips. And 
praise on our mind and on our lips because he's always present with us. The thanksgiving and praise, therefore then, should be the language of all Christians. That should be, it should just exude from us. We shouldn't speak English. We should speak thanksgiving and praise. We shouldn't speak Spanish. We should speak thanksgiving and praise. Everything we say should be in the mind and the mold and the understanding that it is all coming from a thankful, grateful, praise-giving to Yahweh Elohim. Always. That's our language. That's where it's coming from. That's what this is saying. And then I love the, the part there where it says to bless God. You ever, have you ever thought about that? that? That God says that we can bless him? That's an, that's an interesting thing. To, for a human being to be able to bless the creator God, it's crazy. And so I was just kind of digging into the, the, the real meaning of that. I mean, we know what it means, but like, what does it really mean? And it just means to express love and gratitude to God. That's it. Express love and gratitude to God is how we bless God. You and I can bless the creator God by expressing our love and our gratitude to him. What a privilege. What a privilege that is. Say, how? How do we do that? And why do we do that? Why do we express love and gratitude? Verse 5, I think, gives us a very good uh, indication of why we should do that. And it says this over and over and over and over throughout Scripture and throughout, uh, throughout Psalms and throughout Scripture. It says that we should uh, express our love and gratitude. We should bless His name because He is good and because His faithful love endures forever. He is good. And his faithful love endures forever. What other, what other reason do we need? Do we need? Other, in other words, we should, we should be thankful for God. We should praise God for who he is and for what he's done. You can put all of it into those two categories. For who he is, who is he? He is Yahweh, the everlasting one. What has he done? He is Elohim. He is creator God. He has given us all. Everything we have is a gift. Life is a gift. The faith in him is a gift. Everything is a gift, and gratitude is an expression towards a gift. So, we should be able to trust Him. That's what it should come down to. So, so how does this Thanksgiving psalm teach us to give thanks, and why to give thanks? You can put it all, if you're going to put it all in one little statement. We shout, serve, show, and say our thanksgiving to Yahweh Elohim for who He is and what He's done. If you want to know how to give thanks to God... And why? That's how. And that's why. Shout, serve, show, and say our thanksgiving to Yahweh Elohim for he, who He is and what He has done. You say, well, what has He done? What has He done for me? Right? Sure, He created everything, but what has He done specifically for me? You know what I've gone through. Do you know what I've experienced? Do you know the heartache that I've felt you know how tough my life has been? Or maybe your life's awesome. Do you know how hard I've worked to get to where I am? Do you know how disciplined I've been to get to where I am? What has God done for me? Specifically, what has God done for me? I read a story that just summed this up perfect for me. There were two daughters getting close to Thanksgiving dinner that were acting terribly in their home. Mother, father, Two daughters. Big Thanksgiving dinner being prepared. These two daughters were acting up as kids can do sometimes, every once in a while. And it was so bad that the father, he got, 
He got frustrated with them. He, he was disappointed in them. He had to discipline them, and he said, that's it. <laughs> Y'all go up to your room. Go up to your room. Me and Mom will have Thanksgiving by ourselves. Can't, I can't be around you anymore. So they go up there, and they do like kids do. They're, you know, they're sad, and they're probably more sad that they got in trouble than for what they actually did, but they're, they're upset. And then after a while, as it gets to dinner time, actual dinner time, they hear, y'all come downstairs from their mom. And they're thinking, hmm, this is strange. This is strange. What's happening? So they kind of sheepishly, as kids do when they're not sure, come down the stairs and they're looking. And their mom is sitting there at the table by herself. She said, y'all come sit and eat Thanksgiving dinner with me. And they said, where's dad? They said, well, your punishment was to not eat Thanksgiving dinner. And you deserve that. But your dad couldn't stand the thought of you guys not getting to eat this meal that your mom cooked. So he's upstairs in his room. He's sitting in his room by himself so you guys could come down here and have Thanksgiving dinner. And I thought, man, that's it right there. That's grace. That's, what's God, that's what God has done for you and me. And it's a whole lot better than the Thanksgiving dinner as much as I love, love Thanksgiving dinner. As much as I absolutely plan to put on a show here in just a few days, right? You think you see something real special in that, right, Nate Dog? <laughs> it's a whole lot better than that. What has he done for you and what has he done for me? Everything. Everything. He's given his life. He's given his life for you and for me. Took our punishment, brought us to God. No matter what we go through in this life, nothing can ever be better than that. Nothing. So as we go to our second set of scriptures today, with that in mind, that's what Paul has just told the Philippians. He's just reminded them, Philippians 2. This is what Paul has just reminded them of also, what Jesus has done for them. Right where we're about to pick it up, he says, so then, right? So then. What is so then? Well, he's just explained that. He said, you know, Jesus, being equal with God, didn't consider his equality with God to be something to be used for his own gain, for his own benefit. Instead, he humbled himself. Not only humbled himself, but humbled himself to the point of death. Not only humbled himself to the point of death, but he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross so that he could take the wrath of God, so that he could take the punishment of man. And because he's done that, because he's humbled himself down low, God, is, God the Father has now exalted him up high so that he's given the name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you look in your word there, that's what Paul has just reminded the Philippians. And then he says, so then, so in light of that, so in light of what God has done, my dear friends, Paul says in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2, so then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but, not, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to, to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Now, work out. Does that mean that I'm not saved? No. I think of it as like work out. Work out your salvation. Exercise. Put your salvation into practice. In other words, the more you put what you've learned about God and how he wants you to be and who he wants you to be, the more you work that out, 
the more sure of your salvation you become, the more full of satisfaction you become, work out your salvation, exercise it, make it grow, make it stronger, right? Make, make your faith what God has wanted it to be. Work out, exercise your salvation. So we're not going to get hung up on that because we should know at this point, if you've spent 10 seconds in this church, that the believer has eternal security in God. Thank you, God, for that, that my salvation is not up to me to keep. Thank you, Lord. But then you get down to verse 14. It says, do everything without grumbling and arguing or complaining, yours may say. It's so funny that we ended up here because a few weeks ago, Coach Crane and I were talking. We've kept in contact through this year, what's going on and everything else. Of course, our, you know, our kids and everything, our kids were best friends with their kids and yada, yada, yada. And we were talking about things and just randomly he said, he texted me that verse. We were talking back and forth, and he, he texted me that verse, and he said, that was in my, my Debo today. And, of course, he used to have this up on the wall uh, in the office. It's one of his life verses. <laughs> he, said, he said something that just struck me right between the eyes. He said, isn't it crazy how powerful God's Word is that if we would just do one verse, we could change the world? <laughs> if we just put one verse into practice, we could change the world. If we could just do Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling, complaining, or arguing. We could literally change the world. Now, what does that have to do with Thanksgiving? To me, that's the opposite of Thanksgiving. He says do everything without grumbling, complaining, or arguing. You could flip that into the positive and say do everything with Thanksgiving. Do everything with giving thanks. Do everything with Gratitude, do everything with praise, would be the opposite of that. So don't do it this way, but do do it this way. Thanksgiving, opposite of gratitude. What is the opposite of gratitude? It's not ingratitude. I mean, the word is the opposite of that, but what is the, the actual thing of being ungrateful? Why is someone ungrateful? What is equal to being ungrateful? I think it is one word. It's selfish. That's what it is. The more I dug into, into gratitude and thanksgiving and, and praise and what that means and from a psychological standpoint and a scientific standpoint and, and the biblical standpoint and putting it all together, it, that's really what it comes down to. We either give gratitude because we know it's not all about us or we don't give gratitude because we think it is all about us. The opposite of gratitude is selfishness. I deserve this. I deserve that. I work for this. I work for that. Me, 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 huh, huh, huh. Selfish. Why do we do that? I think you can put it down. This is some slick preacher working right here. Y'all ready? Three C's. I think you can put it down to three C's. Why do we not do that? I think we want credit. I think we want control. I think we want cover. That's why we don't express gratitude. One of those three things. We either want credit. I did it. I want the credit. Giving thanks for it means something somewhere else had something to do with it. We either want the credit, we want the control. We, we, we have this desire to control an inherently uncontrollable, chaotic world. We want to control it. Giving up gratitude means it's out of my control. Being thankful means somebody else did something, somewhere, somehow. You did something for me, she did something for me, or he did something for me. And I don't want that. I want to be in control. It's a lie. 
It can never happen. It will never happen. But it's a lie that we believe that we can control our environment. Or we want cover because it's risky to give gratitude because you may not receive it. It's risky to serve someone else because they may not appreciate it. It's risky to do those things. It's vulnerable is the word that we use for that sometimes. It's vulnerable, and we hate being vulnerable. We don't like being vulnerable. It kind of goes along with control. So why do we not express gratitude? We either want credit, control, or cover. What's the opposite of those things? Humility, faith, and trust. That's what we're called to. We're called to be humble. We're called to have faith. We're called to trust God. But when we're not expressing gratitude, it's because we want the credit, we want the control, we want the cover. So let's make sure we're catching ourselves when we're grumbling and complaining or arguing about things when we ought to just be thankful about it. Paul goes on to say in verse 15, so that you may be blameless and pure. Do those things. Do everything without complaining or do everything with thanksgiving so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Living out your faith in Jesus without grumbling, complaining, or arguing or with gratitude, with thanksgiving, makes you stand out makes you stand out. In a world of darkness, we shine like stars for God. Lighting up the night, showing the way as stars do. Give direction. Then Paul says in verse 16, hold firmly to the message of life that I can boast in the day of Christ, that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Doing this, doing this thing, life, that way, living out our life that way with gratitude, without grumbling, complaining, and arguing, doing this lets me know my work wasn't for nothing, Paul says. I love that. I didn't labor for nothing, or my, my work wasn't in vain, your translation may say. Same thing. When you live out your faith the way you're supposed to, it lets me know my work's not for nothing, Paul says. And he says, your faith then increases mine and makes my faith stronger. You hold firmly to the message of Jesus and you live out your life this way. It lets me know that what I'm doing is not for nothing and it strengthens my faith. It shows that it's real. It shows that, that, that my faith is real and your faith is real because we're seeing actual real results take place in our life, it makes it stronger, it, and it increases my joy. That is a, a result of living life this way, is an increase in joy. So, in other words, the effect, take it all together, what we've looked at, the effect that Thanksgiving has on our faith is this. A faith that is full of Thanksgiving is an unshakable faith. That's really what it comes down to. Because the more we live out life and we worship God throughout life with thanksgiving and with praise, the more he fills us with joy and satisfaction. Check me on this. Go check the thesaurus and see what words go with gratitude. Words like joy, satisfaction, happiness. The things that we chase by trying to get credit and control and have cover. We're chasing those things, but God says, no, it's opposite of what you think. Do it the opposite way. 
give thanks, and then you'll get those things. The credit won't make you feel that way, but gratitude will. Give thanks. No, no wonder God tells us so much in his word to give thanks. You know that at least one in every six psalms directly says to give thanks? And almost every single one of them says something about praise or thanksgiving. Almost every single one of them. No wonder God tells us to give thanks so much. Because it's good for us. It's what's best for us. So what does that look like? What does it look like? I think you could sum it up with an old hymn. This fellow, Mr. Johnson, that wrote this hymn that you've heard a million times. You know this guy wrote 5,000 hymns in his life? Averaged 200 a year. Now, a few of them have become, you know, ones that have stuck. Like, No, Not One. It's a song called Count Your Blessings. Love that song. Makes me smile. How's it go? When upon life's billows, that's waves for the younger crowd. When upon life's billows, you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. What a beautiful hymn. It goes on with three other verses talking about the importance of counting our blessings even when life seems, seems like it's overwhelming amid conflict, great or small. Don't be discouraged. God is over all. There's two other hymns. Um, as soon as I bring them up, they're going to leave my mind. And they did. <laughs> One by Isaac Watts. Uh, and then uh, left me, but there's two other great hymns that are direct uh, poetic ways to say Psalm 100. Same different things, same ways. So what does it look like to count your blessings? I, I read a study and I thought it was hilarious that the name of this scientific study was Count Your Blessings, Not Your Burdens. Count Your Blessings, Not Your Burdens. Scientific study. Last thing and we're done on the effects of gratitude on psychology and on physical health for human beings. So they had three groups, these two dudes. One of them was a believer, which is why you can get the title. They had three groups of people. One group, for three weeks, had to write down in a journal everything that caused them to be thankful. Anything that happened during the day, if it caused gratitude in them, if it caused them to be thankful for something, they had to write that down. The other group had to write down anything that was a hassle. Anything, they just went about their regular life. Anything that happened in life that was a hassle, they had to write that down. And then the other group had to write down if something was impactful or neutral. So in other words, it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, it just, it would have impacted it or it didn't impact. So they were the control group. And, and it, amazingly, they come back in six months. They do this practice for three weeks and they come back in six months. So a three-week practice of doing this lasted for at least Six months, we don't know how long, according to this study, but three weeks of practice doing this lasted for six weeks, six months. Uh, here's what they reported. Better overall well-being, increased levels of happiness and optimism, better sleep, feeling more refreshed. This is the group that, that wrote down things they were thankful for compared to the other group. Feeling more refreshed, desire to exercise more often, and tend to think about their overall health more often. Experience less aches and pains. I would also put they would have probably acting like less of an ache and a pain. <laughs> but that wasn't actually in there. 
So at the end of this study, this guy that, was a, that, that was a, is a believer, who's also a scientist, he said, and I love this quote at the very end, science has proven what God has been teaching us all along. They did a scientific study, this big control study, 2,100 and some odd people, and it, and it found that if you give thanks on a regular basis and you make it a practice and you do it often and you remember the good things that are happening in your life, it has a positive effect in your life. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Every, everything that God says to do for him, he says to do to and for each other with the one exception of worship. Everything God calls us to do to him and for him he calls us to do the exact same thing to and for each other with the exception of worship. That's the only exception. We do, we do, but what we do to each other is acts of worship to God. <laughs> That's how we actually, actually do it. So if God tells us over and over and over and over and over in his word to give thanks, then we should definitely be giving thanks to each other. And we should definitely be wise enough to keep some type of record of what we have to be thankful for, which is what this is, okay? So here's my application for today. And some of you are gonna think it's cheesy and you won't do it, and you'll wish you would've. But here's what you should do. It doesn't have to be this, but this is my personal example that I actually have been out of the habit of and I'm getting back in the habit of because of this. It's a, it's a gratitude journal. It, uh, it asks the question, I am grateful for. I'm supposed to write down three things that I'm grateful for. This is a daily thing. What would make today great? I'm supposed to write down three things. Daily affirmations. I am fill in the blank for that day. And then you do that in the morning and in the evening because it's two different colors, light and dark. The bottom down here, the dark, Three amazing things that happened today. One other thing. How could I have made today even better? Right? So it's a growth journal. It's a gratitude journal. Let me give you an example. I was reading back through this this morning. <laughs> made me smile. 9-28-2017. I am grateful for. This is the morning of 9-28-2017. I am grateful for. Y'all know how much I love fall. A change in weather. It feels more like fall today. Second thing. All capital letters, spark, exclamation point. I was probably tired that morning. And my morning spark probably made me feel good as I was writing this down. <laughs> and the third thing is, and I know this is super, super cheesy. I get that. I don't care. The way Kayla looked at me this morning. <laughs> I never would have thought about that had I not been in the practice of doing this. Never. And all it was was a, was a slight... Look of respect. That's all it was. And I was, I was in the practice of writing down things that were making me grateful. And I wrote that down, and I, <laughs> and I literally put a smiley face beside it. <laughs> the way Kayla looked at me this morning. <laughs> what would make today great? Get all the music and videos ready for Sunday. <laughs> Three years ago. <laughs> Prepare my Sunday school lesson today. That was to make sure it was done during the week so this, the pressure and the stress would be off. The third thing was make an unexpected person smile. Daily affirmations. We were in a study at the time. That's why this was on my mind. My daily affirmation was, I am God's soldier, and I will train and be prepared. We were in a, a study that was talking about 
how a soldier prepares and trains, and God calls us to be soldiers. Then at night, three amazing things that happened today. Uh, I was doing some health videos at the time. I said, posted uh, tip number two. Uh, got two wins. Called the junior high and seventh grade game, and we got two wins. Uh, and then third thing, got all SS stuff ready, exclamation point. So I got all the stuff here at church that day that I needed to get done. I loved it. I love doing that, don't you? Hmm. How could I have made today even better? Not ate the chicken strips. They hurt my belly. <laughs> right? And so I went through some other things. I went through this this morning as, as I was waiting on some people to get here. and it's Just amazing, you know? The day before, what am I grateful for? A house with a good uh, air conditioner and roof. We just got our AC fixed and a, and, a, and a little spot on our roof that was leaking. I was thankful for that, right? I'm grateful for my lunch meeting with my boys today. It's one of the things I look forward to most is my leadership meetings with the students. Huh. What would make today great to have a breakthrough in our lunch meeting? Just telling you. If you want to increase the level of gratitude in your life, you want to increase the things that you have to be thankful for, just keep a record of it. God tells us to do it. Science proven, has proven that it works. The only question is, are we actually going to do it? Trust God that it'll work. I pray that we will. And I pray that if you've never had the reason to give God thanks for faith in Jesus, that you would give faith, your faith in Him today. That you would trust Him as Lord and Savior. If you want to talk about that, I'll be here during this time of song. Uh, Brett and Mandy are going to lead us in this last song, and we'll be done for today. But uh, if you want to get saved today, then come down here and let's get saved. If you already are, spend this song giving God thanks, and you'll be glad that you did. God, I thank you, and I love you so much for your word, for who you are, for what you've done, for what you're going to do, for what you do on a daily basis in our lives. God, if we would just take time to notice it, God, if we would cultivate a practice and a habit of being thankful for the things that you give us in our life, God. Lord, help us to focus on that, to do things without complaining or arguing or grumbling, to shine like stars in this world, in this, the darkness of this world, to shine like stars because we live out our faith in a way that, that makes a difference in people's lives, God, and in, and in each other's lives. I pray that we would be the group of believers, the church, that you've called us to be. Lord, and that we thank you that by doing that, you'll increase our joy and our satisfaction, Lord, and that you will get the glory because you're the only one that deserves it. We thank you for Jesus and the price that was paid for us on the cross. Thank you for salvation today, God. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen.